Woodley on the beat. So, good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, good night, wherever you're listening from across the world, locally. This is another episode of the Million Dollar Convos podcast. I'm your host, Bayani. You have Jason here in the studio. We have a very, very, very special guest here for the people, especially in Jamaica, who are familiar with the name Amart, right? It's a very, very significant family business oriented name that most people associate with, with successful business. We have the Michael Amart Jr. here with us to share his experience, to share his Mr. Amart, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. Good morning, good morning. So good morning. for the few people listening locally that don't know you, and for international audience, I guess the majority don't. Why don't you give us a bit of insight into Michael Amar Jones? Um, I'm a Jamaican-born businessman. I went to Woolmers High School. Oklahoma State University. I've spent most of my adult life working in our family business, which is a retail department store chain. And I'm also one of the founders of the Carnival in Jamaica movement, specifically Bacchanal Jamaica. Right, right. So, you know, as it relates to your, your family with Amars, right? The business started well over 50 years ago, but the origin, the original story of Amars is, 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 still a, is still one that we don't quite know fully. You know, the challenges space father, you know, how businesses operated back then, etc. Can you take us back to your earliest memory of Amars? Well, Amars is actually 60 years old this year, or about this to turn 60 yeah. uh, since in September. Um, it was started by my um, both grandfathers, and it was run by my mom originally, and then my mom and my dad ran it. Um, it it started in a very rough time in Jamaica, and in fact, it actually almost went bankrupt before it, it had gone a year in business. A year? Yeah. And my mom's father um, actually came in and um, gave them some assistance and got the company up and running. And that's when my dad joined it. And from then, it's been, um, it's been a challenge, but it's always been moving forward. Um, we had to endure the 1970s, which was probably one of the worst times ever in Jamaica for business. Everything was restricted. You couldn't get foreign exchange. You couldn't import anything. Um, but our company thrived because we continued to invest. We originally started at 70B King Street, which is our flagship store. And when the village and the mall plazas were built in the, in the 1970s, we were the first people to take up tenancy in both plazas. Um, people thought we were crazy. In 1980, in the height of the election campaign, we actually doubled the size of our downtown store. Right. And this is when almost everything on King Street was closed because people had 
shut at their stores and left Jamaica. Um, my dad is a, a, a true patriot and a believer in Jamaica. And so he has always, um, no matter how adverse the conditions, he has always reinvested, expanded, improved. In right. fact, we were the first um, clothing department store to be air conditioned. So you see how far back we're going. This is back in the <laughs> early 70s. And we've continued to try to be industry leaders. We just, um, we just have undergone a complete renovation of our village mall store, which is the biggest store. And actually yesterday we started the same complete renovation of Sovereign Center, having done the King Street store a little before. So we, we never, we never, um, we never stopped reinvesting i mean you think that now in the covid time would be a really bad time to do this but right. it needs to be done so it's going to get done right right so what was your what was your childhood like with your father because he was engaged with the business right holy because what it sounded like is that your, your father as you said is a true patriot he wants to see success of his people and i'm sure of his business and thus that will send ripples into his family you know so what was your childhood like growing up, seeing the business with your father? How, how was that relationship between the two of you? Well, it was actually my father and my mother. And, and from very early, they distilled in all of us a, a, a very strong work ethic. Having gone to Woolmouth, I was told that anything I do, I must do it to the best of my ability. That's basically the Agi Quadagis motto of Woolmouth. And my dad also went to Woolmouth, so he was very schooled and um, brainwashed into that um, yeah, way yeah. of doing So, I mean, we, I, grew up, I grew up very close to my parents. In fact, we spent a lot of time when we were children downtown. Um, yeah. Every chance we got, we would come down here. And, now, he is a very strict person, so he really didn't like us coming to work unless we were going to work. So, work from, from very early in our, in our childhood, we, we volunteered to work. <laughs> so, we yeah. used to come down no, here. There's no pain. Um, no, we used to get paid, but um, we used to like wrap and then we learned how to cash. And, you know, we learned all the retail functions from we right. were very early. And, it, you know, to us, it wasn't work. I mean, we loved coming downtown in those days. Um, I remember there was a lady that worked for us in the store. She was a very senior member of staff and my parents would let her take us all over downtown. And we'd, we'd basically walk everywhere in downtown. We'd go on visit other people that we knew, we'd go and have lunch, we'd, you know, we'd go out onto the waterfront. It was very safe in those days. And maybe that's why we love downtown so much and I've never moved our head office from down here. Of course, of course. So, right, so, so Mr. Amores, um, as it relates to the handing over of the torch from your dad to yourself, you know, what was the position like, you know, did, did your life change? You know, or were you already in tune with what would be required of you, you know, to take on that responsibility? Well, there was really, really never any handing over as such. Um, I came to work at Amaras in 1980, and right. I basically worked side by side with him for many years. And um, things just kind of naturally fell into place that I took over certain areas. He maintained control of other areas. Um, and as he got older, I took on more and more stuff. And, uh, 
it, it, there was really never any handling of it. It's kind of more of a, a gentle me metamorphosis. Right, mm. a smooth, like a smooth transition. Yeah, and it, because it's a family business, we have a very small um, top management team. And um, so, you know, it, my sister is involved, my wife is involved, and now my son is involved. And um, so, you know, you kind of have to learn how to bat, bowl, and field. There's no specialist yeah. in running a family business. Oh, right. We all run it. Right, so, you know, speak to me about the, the, the early carnival, carnival um, industry. The, you, you're not only known of such a giant retail business in Jamaica, but you're also director at Bacchanal, right? This, you, you practically ushered, ushered this, rule, this concept. You know, what sparked your interest in, in carnival, the entertainment industry? How, how do you balance both the operations of both the, the Bacchanal and the Mars? Give us the dynamic on how you Well, maybe I should tell you how Bacchanal started. Right, right. Um, we used to go to Carnival in Trinidad in, starting in 1982, having, having just graduated from university and come out of the horrible 1970s. Um, we discovered Carnival and we started going every year a bigger and bigger group of us. And we really got to love Carnival. In 1988, Gilbert hit Jamaica and basically devastated the country. Right. And there was a lot of looting and that type of thing after it. And um, very short, soon after the new year, the government declared, they were calling an election, right the weekend of Carnival in Trinidad. And we felt that it was not prudent for us to leave our businesses and go to Carnival because in those days, election day was like a war. It wasn't like now where it's civilized and people, yeah. you know, it was, it was really a different world. Like you guys would never understand it. So mm -hmm. we decided not to go. Um, and then um, we had already started having a series of parties called Oak Ridge, um, just some private friends. And so we decided to start Oak Ridge Carnival in 1989. Um, and that was the first carnival in Jamaica. We did Oak Ridge for 10 years. Jamaica Carnival started in 1990. Um, we, we were their competitors, or they were our competitors. And in 2000, we joined up with um, Fuzzy and Charmaine Franklin, who are my partners. They used to they owned um, Revelers Inc. and Ed Puri and Michael McMorris and Courtney Sylvester to form back in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And it's been 20 years of serious hard work, mm -hmm. but serious fun. We never ever started back in our, as a money-making business. It After the first 10 years, it turned into a money-making business, but it, it was started to have fun and still everything that we do at Bacchanal is done from the point of view of, of the Revler having a good time. It's never about cutting costs or making more money. We really just don't want to lose money. Right, <laughs> right. The goal of any business. Now, the, was, there any, was there any time when, you know, one of the two businesses pulled on you more, where it demanded more of you? Side, so you had to 
almost neglect a little bit of the other, or was there always this, this balance? No, Amaris is always number one. It, it will never be anything but because that is my real business. Bacchanal is my love. Right. Uh, and Amaris is a full-time job. We have over 150 employees. We operate three large department stores, warehouses, factories, etc. And so that's a full-time job. Bacchanal I do in between um, when I have time. And that's not it's not properly done. But Bacchanal usually is done at night when I'm at home or on the weekends. Because as you know, we manage Bacchanal very tightly. There's no there's no dot, not dot, no I not dotted or three T not yeah. across. But we're perfectionists, all of us who own Bacchanal. Right. Right. So, so yeah. There are, many, there are many young entrepreneurs listening to this podcast, Mr. Amar, is that are basically trying to figure out their passion or their niche, you know, in this world, or what, how would they fit in, how would they contribute, you know, to the development, not only of the world, but kind of world. How would you say to you was right now as it relates to starting a business and what would be required of them? Well, starting a business is a big decision. I mean, right. my, kid, my kids are going through kind of decision process right now. And I always say to them, listen, it's a lot safer to become a professional, become a doctor, a lawyer, an auditor, whatever. You, you're sure that you're going to, so long as you do your job well, you're sure you're going to get well paid. When you start a business, it's an idea that you have. It could or could not work. Usually it takes a huge amount of personal sacrifice, time, um, your family might suffer for it, your, your health might suffer for it, and you might fail. So whenever you, whenever you do decide to, that you're going to become an entrepreneur, go into it with the understanding that there is a good chance that you're not going to succeed in every undertaking you make. It may take, it may take two or three tries before you come up with that right idea or that right mix to work. Because even in a Mars, I think from my mother's story, it was probably the second or third time around that before it worked. Right. Right. So I'll, a lot of young persons, as Jason said, are looking for avenues for options to start businesses, but retailing specific. Do you think now is that time for young persons to be pursuing? retail business as in venturing into retail do you think that it's a business that could provide them because a lot of people are looking for certainty and are entering the business space which i don't understand but do you think retail is a space where young entrepreneurs should be venturing can be venturing right now it's an extremely challenging time for retail and if you're going to be a businessman, there's no such thing as certainty. Right. You, could work, you could work your hardest, you could put all right. your money into something and it might still fail. Right. So there's no such thing as certainty. There's a lot of shaking out going on in the retail sector now. Um, even before COVID, um, you saw a lot of the older stores in the States starting to downsize or resize or whatever. Amazon has put the whole 
retail world ups, upside down. Um, and I am a I am a believer in brick and mortar. So right. I would never say there's no future in retail. However, getting into retail now, I think you have to think about doing it in a different way than how we did it. The big the big um, the big store with a lot of stock and a lot of overheads and that type of stuff is not necessarily the way I would go if I had a clean sheet of paper to work with. I would probably go with much more online, create the same type of thing, but still have a storefront that people can come in and touch. Um, so for a young person, retailing is a little different from going into retailing. It would be a little different from how we do it. However, we are we are in this model, and so we have to make this model work, and that's why we're constantly evolving and improving. Um, the difference between an online retailer and a brick and mortar retailer like us is experience. It's all about experience. I'm sure that I'm sure that if you wanted, you could go another year without buying a shirt or a pair of pants. So you have a, a whole cupboard full of them. When you come out to shop, it's not just about buying a new shirt. Um, you come out for the experience, the service, um, the quality that you're getting. And it's not just about price, it's about value. So you want to get, you want to have that whole experience that when you leave the, the location with a particular set of merchandise, that merchandise is going to make you feel and look the way you want to. And, and mentally stimulate you, not just put clothes on your body because you already have enough clothes to put on. Right. Right. And, that, and that's where Amaris is. We're, we are a full service, customer centric company. Um, and I would say the same about Bacchanal. Um, we are there for, the, for your total experience. Right. And that's, so, where, that's the part we have chosen. So is, it, is, is integration of e commerce? in the near future, a possibility for Amaris? Or is it strictly brick and mortar, as you said? Is that, is that your, your, um, your mindset right now? No, 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 we are, that, is, that, is our, that is our foundation. But um, over the last, um, I think about, about 12 months, Amaris has been very, very active and growing, this, growing more every day in the social media field. We use a lot of Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and that type of thing. Macanal has been active for much longer, and they have a huge following. Um, I think the Macanal Carnival videos from 2015 onward are some of the most watched Jamaican videos around. There are millions and millions of hits on them. Um, Amaris is a little newer into it. We, um, I've been doing it for about 12 months. And we are actually right now at this very minute in this building. They are in the process of both, um, photographing and uploading and building out the website. Um, what people need to understand is that e-commerce for a company like Amaris is a lot different to somebody that has a suitcase selling swimsuits out of. We have two hundred and we have two hundred and fifty odd thousand SKUs. That's different items of stock. Right. So the, when, we, when we looked at this last year, because we've been looking at it for a while, we, we, it was difficult for us to decide how we were going to do this. When COVID came along in January, we decided, listen, we're going to do it regardless of how hard it is. 
So we started by uploading all the new stuff and the basics okay. and the stuff that we have with pizza. And if I remember, all business, there's not a lot of stuff that you buy twice. Right. It's about fashion. You don't want to come in with the same shirt every time. So we have started doing that. The website is actually built and they're loading it now. And we're hoping that by the end of the next two weeks, we'll be up for a trial and by the end of the month, fully operational with e-commerce capabilities that we'll be able to buy as well as you. We're also rolling out our customer loyalty program, which is going to be directly tied to the website. Um, so yes, so um, the whole e-side of business, we're committed to it. And um, my son and the younger folks that work here with us, they are completely in charge of it. It's, it's kind of Greek to me. So right. just, I know how to use it and I know how to buy stuff on it, but they're the ones putting it together. And, you know, I, I deliberately did that because they're the generation that's going to use it. So it needs to it needs to meet their needs and likes rather than my needs and likes. Right. So you you spoke earlier about you two dynamics, different dynamics really. Um carnival retail. Now, do you have any more, let's say, I wouldn't say hobbies, but have you ventured into any more business ventures recently that you think can make almost a last impression, a lasting, let's see, or, or a development in Jamaica? Do you think your, your business ventures now will, will in, 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 let's say, Hmm. Do you think your business ventures now will create a, a, a bit of future for the youth of Jamaica? What do, you, what do you think about that? Hard to tell you because I'm not um, I'm not involved in too many other businesses anymore. Um, okay. I kind of brought it down to those two. Um, I was very active from a social point of view in the Chamber of Commerce for about 12 years including serving as a president for two years and i spent a lot of time trying to get downtown kingston redeveloped and bringing back some type of public order to the town centers around jamaica um i succeeded for a while and then do you think it's lost way? Uh, did do, it, do think, i think what do you think it's lost its way is that why you you really shrugged your shoulders you like it just <laughs> Well, it did lose its way because um, as soon as the people that were involved um, moved on, the whole thing fell apart. There's a, there's a serious lack of understanding, I think, at the, um, at the government level. And I don't mean this government. I mean governments generally. That the more that you pan, we're always hearing about you know, catering to the poor man and the, the masses and this and that. I'm a strong believer that everybody should be treated equally and the law is the law for everybody. Right. You can't, you cannot continue to encourage public disorder because it's a hustling or somebody's eating a food out of it. Because all you're really doing is destroying your own country. Right. Um, it's been proved time and time again all over the world. New York City 30 years ago was a crime riddled disgusting garbage filled city 
Now it's one of the cleanest um, cities and it's still pretty safe. It's a lot safer than it used to be. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think there's a, there's a theory called the broken windows theory that I, push, that I try and follow. That says that if you own a house and you, you lock it up and leave it and somebody breaks a window and you don't fix it, next day they'll come and steal the door before you know it, the whole house will be gutted. And you see it happening all over the place, right? Mm. But it's the same thing with public order. If you allow people to dump garbage, like businesses to dump garbage on the sidewalk and not pick it up, or you allow the taxis to park on the sidewalk or clog up the intersections, or people to vend without permits or have entertainment events when COVID curfews are on, you're only asking. <laughs> And you don't do something about it, you're only sending a message to other people that it's okay to break the law. Right. You mentioned you mentioned earlier you, know, you, you narrowed down your focus to two get me. Um individuals running around, you know, that you know they need to be doing the thing. You know, because that's what what you said earlier to me, like you know, for you narrow the focus on two things in particular, build up to what they are today. What would you say individuals are all over the place in terms of focus? Well, you know, when you're young, you need to try a lot of different things. I mean, I, as I said, I've been involved in other businesses over time and depending on the type of business that you're in, um, you can do lots of different things at one time. It's just um, it just so happens that I'm in very hands-on businesses, both Carnival and, and Amara's customer-related um, businesses. You have to be on top of it. You have to be there. It's not something that you can run remotely. Because even though, even though I don't work in our retail stores, um, if I don't go to them every so often, I don't interact with our staff, interact with our customers, have that free flow of information. I lose touch and then before you know it, you're no longer relevant in the retail business. Same thing, Carnival. Uh, over the years, Bacchanal kind of got a job pattern and it stayed that way. Um, and you know, it was starting to get stale and about maybe five or six years ago, we brought in a whole bunch of young people and we've allowed them to basically invent and reinvent back and out things like rum for breakfast um, some of the changes to juve a lot of the additional services that we provide on the road march you know those kind of things we used to do six friday nights at mass camp and you know they were kind of like cookie cutter every friday night a different party with a different theme but the same place now we do right. one part one party at mass camp which is juve and the others are at different locations and that's what you have to be. You have to you have to go with the, go with the flow. Listen to what the customers say, and and if you're serious about servicing them, then then do what they say. Right. So over the years, you have amassed vast knowledge, vast experience in not just one business. Right. Now. Being an entrepreneur, you know, being a busy man or woman, you know, on your journey to becoming the entrepreneur, we know you as today. After you received advice from those who thought they knew and those who did 
right? So as it relates to the quality of advice that you received as a budding entrepreneur, as a budding businessman, which one was the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? And which one was the best piece of advice? The worst piece of advice was that I shouldn't be involved in the entertainment business. That was, look how that. <laughs> because at the time, people didn't view it as a business. And right. It really is one of the best businesses to be in. And if I wasn't, if I was back in my 30s and not involved in Amars, I would, that's where I would put all my efforts because um, the risk is great. You can really lose your shirt very quickly, but the rewards are great. And um, it's just so good to see when people come and have a great time and, and then they pay you and thank you for paying you. Right. There's, no, there's no greater, you know, my, my partner, Fuzzy Franklin, used to always say that at the end of Carnival Day. He says, boy, all these people just paid us a holy for money and they're thanking us for paying us. And it's true because, you know, that's what you really want. You want people to have the kind of experience that no matter no matter what they spent, they're, they're happy to have spent it and they'll be coming back to spend it again. So the worst piece of advice is don't become involved in the entertainment business. There's a lot of shady people and very unscrupulous people involved in it. And I guess that's why I was told, um, Not because of the background that I'm coming from, don't become involved in it. But the entertainment business has evolved and it's now a huge multi-billion dollar business all over the world. And I think if you follow, if you follow the principles of the best advice I ever got, no matter what business you're in, it will work out. And that is that you should always do the right thing, regardless of if anyone is watching or not. So what do you believe, what do you think about following passion, right? Because you could be doing the right thing in business, but it isn't necessarily a passion. What do you think? Do you think that you should hold passion as a priority or you should focus on doing right thing what you can do or what you're good at and neglect your passion for something practical or feasible well that's going to depend on the size of your pocket right. <laughs> your pocket is empty i suggest you do the job and get paid and save up some money. if your pocket is full then yeah. you can start putting a little more um doing a lot of a little more the things that are about passion but I would tell you that if you really want a business to succeed, especially your own business, you have to love it. You have to, you have to love what you're doing because trust me, when you're working till all hours and night and all your friends are out as a young person partying and you have to be at work or during carnival, you're there, you know, building out trucks or costumes and everybody's out at parties and you have to love it. You have to. You have to really want to do it and realize that it's not a short-term thing. You have to do it every day and you have to do it every day to the best of your ability. Otherwise, don't waste your time. You're going to fail. Of course. No. And, if you, and if you fail to plan, I can guarantee that you can plan to fail. But a lot of, I, I notice it with a lot of, and I don't want to get in the bad picture of young people, but I notice it with a lot of the late 20s to early 30s guys in particular now coming from families that that, that they should have a business um, background they don't want to work 
they don't want to work. They want to they want to um, write an app or or um, cut a tune or make a music video and get rich off of it. You know, I'd love to do that too, but it ain't gonna happen. Right. It happens to, you know, if you're like some great singer, yeah, okay, you'll get lucky and you make a break. But the guys who really make the money for the long term are the guys who are in the the record production business or the or the or the, or the um, event business or something like that. And they they work hard. They work, you know, to put on an event like Bacchanal or Reggae Tom Fest or any of the big events that go on all over the world. It's months and months and months of planning and work and that type of stuff. So, you know, I would say if you don't love it, don't do it. And you also have to, in my opinion, decide you're going to do something and stop sitting on your butt at home waiting for the rainbow to drop on top of you. You know, this is the second time in two interviews that our guest has mentioned our generation unwillingness to work. Right. right. So what do you think what do you think happened to to that work ethic that existed in your generation? Why was it how was it not transformed into was? Why what's missing? What do we what do we do? It's not that you it's not that your generation doesn't want to work. It's just that you don't want to get your hands dirty. You wanna get rich overnight. You wanna you know, as I said, like you wanna be like Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, right? You know, come up with Facebook or or something like that, and come a billion there overnight. You know, it's a great story, but it happens to one in a billion people. Okay. I mean, I, I think I think people need to look for that one in a billion idea and be ready when they find it to jump on it. But in the meantime, they need to do something to earn a living and pay pay their own way. And you know, the the Partying on money that you don't earn, um, living a high life on a credit card. You're only going to get yourself in problems later on. Definitely deep financial in my, problems. In my, in my opinion, you should use a credit card as a charge card and pay it off at the end of the month. If you can't pay it off, put it away or cut it up. Or you're only going to get yourself in trouble. The worst thing to do is get saddled with a lot of debt. All right. All right. So the effect on the effect of debt on businesses, right? What do you think about the effect of debt? Is it something that you don't pay attention to? Is it in your purview, but you don't really recognize it? Is it that you you prioritize revenue, profits? Is 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 it really just looking down the path, looking down the tunnel, and saying, okay, yes, the debt is there, but guess what? The business has to go on. No, is that, that is different. Business is different from debt on your credit card. Right. I mean, in business, there is a, a level of debt which is actually um, advantageous. If you're able to borrow money at a rate that is less than the return you can make by using that money, then it is in your best interest to, to go the debt route. If debt becomes really expensive, like what happened back in say, the 90s, mm -hmm. then you need to put your own money into it. And um, because you'll never be able to, you know, remember an interest rate, I don't know if you guys are old enough, interest rates are up to like 60 and 70%. I don't care what business you're in, you can't make money at that. I mean, now it's like around 10, 12, 
100% on the claim that you have a good credit. I mean, it's now, so, you know, now is okay to borrow, but again, you only want to need to borrow what you need. You still need to put equity into the business. It might be sweat equity if you don't have cash, but you need to get invested in your business because unless you have something to lose, right. the first time it gets difficult, you're going to get a problem. Right, right, right. So, in wrapping up this very, very, again, informative interview, this podcast, now I'd like you to tell me, do you think your father, your mother, you know, your grandfather, looking back, looking forward on hope, you really help this business progress on Mars. You know, how you develop the business, how the business transition from era to era. Do you think that they'll be proud? Do you think that, you know, this followed the line of work that if they were still able to do, you know, the business adventures, do you think that this is the line that they would have followed? This is what they would have wanted you to do if they were in your shoes. Well, I think so because um, I mean, my dad is is just retired, but we're I mean, he's still involved. Both of them, my dad and mom, that they they hear what's going on, and my mom in particular is very vocal. So if something goes on that she doesn't like, she'll let me know about it. But right. I think they would be proud because I think Amaris stands out in Jamaica, and I know it's my company, so I don't want to blow the trumpet too loud. But right. I mean, I'm proud of it. Amaris stands out as a, as a different type of company. When you come into our, into our stores, the service, the, the approach to business is different from most stores. And as I said, we try to do the, the right thing, even when nobody is looking. Right. 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 So earlier we asked you what your best piece of advice was and you told us. Now, why don't you impart a piece of advice to the future businessmen and women, entrepreneurs listening now? that need that bit of motivation, but at the same time, need to get a grasp of reality, what they're actually dealing with as it relates to undergoing this path. Can you give us, can you give them some advice as, as to what to expect, what to do? Well, I would tell you that you shouldn't waste your youth. Between the mid twenties and 40 is when you're gonna make make the money in your life. And I don't, I don't necessarily mean actually make the money, but you're gonna plant the seed that will grow into a big tree later on. So don't waste your youth. Think about what you want to do. If you're not sure, go and get a job with somebody that will not only give you an income, but will teach you something. Even if you don't use that specific skill later on, it, you'll learn the discipline of going to work every day. You learn the discipline of, of setting targets and achieving them. And at the same time, start keep looking for your dreams, but don't look too long. Because once you reach into your mid-40s, everything changes. By that time, you probably have had some children. You might be married. You know, things start getting on um, onto your list of to-do things that give you that much less time to spend on your business. And really in those, those formative years in the mid-20s to late-30s, 
are the ones when I think most people come up with that idea that's gonna make them or 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 not make them. Right. And, so thank and you, you very much. You don't have to be you don't have to be stuck in the mold of doing something that's already exists. Right. But don't spend too long analyzing something. But you might analyze to the point where you, you get paralyzed. Of course. Of course. So Mr. Mr. Kumar, thank you very much again, you know, for taking the time out, you know, to reconvene with us, to really sit down and share your wisdom with the youth, you know, not just with the youth, but the general populace, you know, on business, how to run a business, legacy, you know, what to expect, realism, what it means to be an entrepreneur and what it means to be an operator of a business, you know. Um, I've taken a lot of this as well, you know, as undergoing this like a group of us, you know. So we're gonna put some of the things that you spoke about today. Hopefully our listeners will too who have businesses or aspire to start businesses. You know, so thank you very much again for taking the time out, Mr. Amar. And on behalf of the Hustle of JA team, you have a good day, take care of yourself, and we wish you further success. And I hope you guys do really well in your business. You seem really smart, so I'm looking for you to be the next best great thing, okay? All right, thank you very much. Okay, Take care. Thanks.